There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 884. Be the envy of your friends and get 100% exclusive crates at lootcrate.com slash Nerdist. Enter the code Nerdist to save $3 off any new subscription. July's Loot Crate theme is Animation which is something I am uh, particularly obsessed with. In July's crate, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bob's Burgers, Futurama, Rick and Morty. What the F more would you possibly Those want? Those are all like the best shows. God, Rick and Morty just, I can't wrap my brain around how much, and Futurama <laughs> too, about how much I love those shows. Bob Burgers, great. Ninja Turtles, great. One lucky subscriber is going to win a mega crate of seriously epic proportions. So you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe. Receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, it's over. So go to LootCrate.com slash Nerdist. Enter the promo code Nerdist to save three bucks on any new subscription today. Thank you to Loot Crate. Uh, what, do you, what do you got on the Nerdist community corkboard? Uh, Evil Overlord Games is releasing their first game on August 17th. It's a free-to-play, choose-your-own-adventure in a shared world. They said it's specifically slow-paced, like Fail Better's Fallen London or Disruptor Beam's Game of Thrones, and it's designed to pull, pull in folks who care about the story content over action. It's an urban fantasy horror game with overtones of conspiracy, and players will choose various paths, and the world will unfold around the choice they make. You can find out more info, see the artwork for the game, and more at Evil overlordgames.com sounds like a fun little choose your adventure game fantastic and then the second thing is something that's very personal to me right now I'm yes I know I talk about it all the time but right now I'm fostering a dog you are yes he's really great his name is Ringo how's Ringo doing with Scout he loves Scout he, he wants to play with Scout all the time to the point where Scout's like, I'm tired. Can we stop sure. playing? But then he just goes and takes a nap. But he's a three-and-a-half-year-old pit bull American bulldog mix. He's super adorable. He's like blue and brown brindle. He's a, he's a big dog. I mean, he's like Scout's height, but he's 70 pounds. Wow. So he's like a big meatball of a dog. Sure. Uh, he's like I said, he's really sweet, loving, funny, silly. He likes going on walks. His favorite thing is rolling around in the grass. Are you looking for a home for him? Yes. Okay. So um, we're just fostering him for about another week or so, but that's unfortunately all we can do. He's a uh, house trained. He's crate trained. He's really good about eating. Like he and Scout eat next to each other, and there's no problems. With proper introductions, he can be really great with dogs. Uh, like like he's amazing with Scout. He loves to take naps next to her, play with her. He gives her kisses. It's really adorable. So he's just. Really Really great dog, and if anyone is interested in adopting uh, a dog, or you can see pictures of him on my Instagram and my Twitter, which are at kt underscore money. And if you're interested, just like message me. And I mean, serious, serious, and people being interested only though. I'm, I'm such a bad person, Katie. Why? Because I had to fight every urge. When you were like, and he gives Scout kisses, I almost blurted out sixty nine. <laughs> like she's talking about. Animals. Well, they sniff each other's butts all the time. 
So, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of butt sniffing. A lot of butt sniffing happening in my house. That's right where now. the flavor's at. <laughs> that's where the sacks are. That's where the dog scent lives. So yes. that's what they that's what they do. But he's a great dog. And I really you know, we like I said, we can only have him for another week and I just really don't want him to have to go back to the shelter. And I understand. so I really want to find a home for him. Yeah, unfortunately, because we said we have Lydia's cat, so we can't yeah. really have a dog here. Yeah, I don't know how he is with cats. He he's walked by cats well, twice now and it's never just that even Anubis noticed. is not oh, yeah. cool with any... Yeah, some cats are like fuck dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Anubis is Anubis is is big. And yeah. Anubis. I've never seen Anubis. Yeah, he's upstairs right now, but he's, he's like just... a thirty pound Egyptian mouse. That's insane. Yeah, that's a big cat. He's not all muscle though, because like Egyptian mouse kind of have this yeah. this uh, flop tummy that sort oh, of okay, yeah. that sort of waves from side to side when they walk. <laughs> and when I first saw the cat. I was like, are you sure you're feeding that cat the right amount? And she's like, that's how they're supposed to be. Don't, you know. Yeah, I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they just a beautiful, beautiful cat, but he would not be, he's not, yeah. he would not be cool with animals. So I hope someone find, help, I, finds I hope a home someone, for Ringo. Yeah, I hope someone wants to adopt him. He's really great. Excellent. So this episode is Tom Holland, who is not just the amazing Spider-Man, but an amazing Spider-Man. He is an amazing Spider-Man. Uh, but Tom is just the sweetest, most charming Incredible and super talented, and we talk about his lip sync battle performance. Oh, that was and he was great. Billy Elliot, and yeah. you know he did Billy Elliot, and now he, and when I saw him in uh, Civil War, he was you know I, you, we, when you get a new Spider Man, sometimes <laughs> you get nervous. Yes, and uh, he instantly squashed any fears that I would have had, and was a phenomenal Spider Man, and uh, I adore him. So Spider Man Homecoming, of course, is in theaters now. It's great. Go it, see it. It's doing quite well. Maybe you've already <laughs> seen it, but if you hadn't, go see it again. Uh, this episode also brought to you by Stamps.com. Uh, avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic, international, with Stamps.com. That you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, just using your own computer and printer, and you just click print mail, you're done. Stamps.com never closes. 24-7, you can make it happen. You just need your computer. Uh, they bring all the services of the U.S. Post Office right to your fingertips. So uh, you can enjoy Stamps.com using a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in NERDIS. That's Stamps.com under the promo code NERDIS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Here's the NERDIS podcast number 884 with Tom Holland. Katie, please roll the Spider-Man. Now entering... Nerdist.com Yeah, you can. I remember the dog from the time I was here once. Not with his cat. Cat really? Is, this uh, cat doesn't like dogs? The 30-pound Egyptian cat. What? And he's... Uh, a beast? He's, he's a great cat. I'm not really a cat person, but he's a great cat. But not super chill when other animals are around. So I don't, really? I don't think a dog getting up in his business would really be a, a fun... It was just not worth it. So, although she said the cat is never going to die, someday, if he decides to strike out on his own, we'll get a dog. Uh, but until then, do you have any pets? Pounds. I do. I have a dog. Yeah. What's your dog? I have a uh, four-legged one. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, good. it's a, a staffy, which is like a small pit bull. Oh, a staffy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She's really cool. Nice. She's super chill. 
What's her name? Tessa. Tessa. Like, she's really... She goes through phases of almost being too chill. Right. You're like, come on. <laughs> but then she'll then go through phases of just complete and utter craziness. Do you get to spend time with her now that you've been working so much? Not really, which is a shame. But I, I, I see her as much as I can. Um, and the funny thing is, is she was my dog. Mm-hmm. So I trained her. Yep. To a certain level. Sure. I mean, like, some people would say that she's not very well-trained. But she is well-trained. And with me, she's really good. Like, she doesn't need a lead. She can heal, sit, lie down, go in her bed, do all of that stuff. She listens to me. But with my family, she just runs amok. She doesn't <laughs> listen to anyone else. And as soon as I come home, she starts doing as she's told again. And they're like, no, he's... Sh- but you, she was crazy. I, she seems fine to me now. What are yeah, you talking about? Yeah, I know. About? Yeah, yeah, like, no, I don't no, know what you're talking what about. She's super well-behaved. You guys, stop. It's not the dog. It's yeah, not the dog's fault. It's just... It's you guys. I saw, uh, I got sent this, because I buy a lot of, like, um, my wife and I buy, like, a lot of weird old horror movie props and stuff. And cool. animation cells and stuff. So I just got sent this book and just flipped it open to this oh. page. The original Spider-Man series. This wow. could have, this is what your suit could have looked like. For a minute, I actually thought that was my suit. Really? For half a beat, but then I looked at it properly, and it's obviously not. It's not. Did you ever see the '70s Spider-Man? I haven't actually. I haven't. I've seen actually a fight scene. Um, the stunt coordinator is a joke. Before, when he showed me the first fight scene of the movie, he showed me something from that clip. And you know, it's one of those things when you first meet someone, and you don't know if they're being serious. <laughs> or like, you know, like we just really want to take influence from the '70s show. Yeah, man, it's just like it's so true, so rich in it's history. It's real. And, it's yeah, just exactly. real. I didn't know if that was what. Yeah, it was. Uh, it did. It only lasted like a season, I think. Really. And I think Stan may have. I think it may have started with "Listen up, true believers," you know, and then it goes into. But there's no special effects. Yeah, no. My favorite is the reversing. The re- like they reverse everything, right. so they cover people in a web, and then they like pull it off and reverse it, and it looks like they're being webbed mm-hmm. up, or like turning that. the camera sideways and yeah. walking up the building. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's all a lot that of good fun. stuff. It's all that good stuff. How much? How how much physically are you in the movie, and how much is CG in the movie? It's it's very cool actually. Now with mocap and how good that technology has got, everything you see that's in a Spider-Man suit is me. But it just maybe was shot on a soundstage or mm-hmm. was shot in a mocap stage. You know, oh, like wow. everything has been like has been driven from my movement yep. and my body type and every and all this this physicality that I try to create. Um, so it's cool. Like I see things that I don't remember shooting, but I can tell that it's me. Like, right. I, can, I know that that's my body, and I eventually did that somewhere in a mocap stage. You know. I mean, they, they get you to do like a thousand different moves that they just have for reference, and then they throw them in wherever they. Can. Oh, oh, got it, got you it, know? got it, got it. So when so they're basically saying, oh, it almost sounds like doing ADR, like make a grunt, flip upside yeah, down. Exactly, it's exactly like ADR. Like they'll be like, jump off a building in twenty five <laughs> different ways, and you just do it in each way, and then eventually, like, there's one part of the moment of the film where Spider Man jumps off and webs the vulture, mm-hmm. and that we did not shoot. In Atlanta, but we obviously did it in a mocap stage, and it's it is me jumping off of this thing, but just in reality, I was in a stage in a stupid suit. I mean, on a scaffolding. Thing. Is there an acting class that can prepare you? I feel like there should be like superhero <laughs> acting class. There's so many yes, superhero movies. There should now. be. It takes a while to get used to, especially like as an actor, your most power, your most powerful like weapon is your face. Sure. Right? Because you use your face to emote. Right. As soon as they take away your face, all of a sudden you're like powerless. 
So I had to try and figure out the best way of like conveying emotion through physicality. I was lucky that I had the expressive eyes. Sure. Because, you know, they kind of aid me in that sense. But, uh, but obviously on the day, the eyes don't do that. Right. Um, I wish they did. That would be super badass. But uh, I'm sure it would make my costume even more uncomfortable if they did. But, uh, but no. So I had to try and get used to acting through physicality rather than facial expressions. Right. I mean, I, I just have to say because I'm pretty sure I moderated the panel at Comic-Con last year. I know I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. I did because uh, – uh, I had no idea what to expect when I saw the footage, and and it just, was I. just really like John Hughesy sort of like teen com- almost a not a comedy sort of like a, like a teen comedy basically. Yeah, and uh, and what a great approach because you know the last iteration of him was Toby had his version, and then and Andrew Garfield's version was a little more like hipster Spider Man, and it was yeah. really nice to see. Oh, this is sort of like fun dorky Spider Man, like yeah. you know Peter Parker is that he's yeah. a kid. He's a he's a kind of a dorky Absolutely. kid. I think the important thing about that is that we've seen so many different types of superhero movies, but never one like this. You know, right. We've seen billionaires, the god, the scientist, the soldier. We've never really seen what would happen if a kid mm-hmm. got those sort of superpowers. So that was the theme that John really tried to drive home. Um, and if you gave a 15-year-old superpowers, they would have the time of their life. Like, it would be amazing. It's every kid's dream to be a superhero. So we really try to make it apparent to audiences that he loves being Spider-Man. I gotta say, I think if most 15-year-olds got that power, they would be assholes. I, I would definitely rob a bank. That would be the first <laughs> thing I would do is go straight to the bank and rob it. Yeah. I mean, there's no... I mean, I see what I see what people are doing on Instagram. Like, oh, you cannot give them powers. Yeah. That's... A, a, it's dead. It's it deadly. It would be a dangerous world if we all had superpowers. How did you... Because my... Uh, first of all, amazing job on, when I'm sure everyone's been telling you about Lip Sync Battle, but holy shit. And, and my wife said to me, she said, this is the most amazing and I made our writer's room watch it on this the show that I do and uh, I go, it's fucking it's great. I mean, it... And I'm not like a dance music guy, right? But holy shit. And then I remembered, oh, of course, Billy Elliot. That's... No one should be surprised by any of the stuff that happened, this is your apart you, from you, the fishnets. I, I hope people would have been surprised by the fishnets. That's you know, fishnets, like spider occurrence. tights. What are the like? They're just What's interchangeable. The you know, Spider-Man could have been in a fishnet body stocking. Maybe he will one day. Maybe he will Maybe one day. Maybe after lip sync battle, the demand is <laughs> exactly. so high that we do Spider-Man two in fishnets. I mean, it's I, I. Every year I get asked to do that show, and I can never do it because of my schedule. And then I saw you do it, and I go, "Well, I'm definitely not doing it now because there is literally no way." <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. What was the preparation that went into that? That was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my career, hands down. Like, I loved it, and I love performing. Like, I think being on stage is really, like, where I belong. I think that's my calling in life is being on stage. But that said, I had the most stressful time on the lip sync battle because you're rehearsing these numbers but they don't know if the music is cleared yet. Like, oh, it could shit. potentially be like, oh, Rihanna said no, you have to choose something else. <laughs> right. And I had three rehearsals. I had three rehearsals. And, you know, you walk into a room with all these professional dancers and all of a sudden they're like, put on these tights and pretend <laughs> to be Rihanna. It's a little daunting, you know. Why don't we do this for the show? Oh, this isn't for the show. Just uh, yeah, put just, on the tights. Just put on the tights. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, like Zendaya, she is a performer. She's a singer and a dancer and stuff. So I knew the competition was real. I knew that this was not going to be an easy feat. So I thought if I do, if I go down the funny route, but also try and incorporate some sort of dancing ability, I'll have a strong enough set that even if I lose, I'll be okay. Right. Um, but uh, 
she was amazing. I think if it went off like who embodied the character more, she would have won. I just think because I went nuts in mine is why I won. Well, you committed to it. Yeah. Like, and there was never a moment where you were like, isn't this ridiculous? Like, you were in it. Oh, I was. <laughs> as soon as I got on stage, there was no turning back. It was like he's swatting the water on beat. It's incredible. Oh, it like, was the it best. Was, it was... The funny thing is, though, is obviously all the fans in the audience were Zendaya's fans. Right. So she came on stage first, and they were like, yeah, whoa. They all went nuts. And then I came on stage, and they were like, I don't really know who that kid is, but I hope he enjoys his night. And then Singing in the Rain came on, and everyone went, Yo! That's a stupid choice. Why would you do <laughs> Singing you do in the that? Rain? That's so boring. But uh, but no, it was a lot of fun. So you came from a good place because you came from the underdog place because oh, no one expected anything. The un- underdog, yeah. And then you get to completely blow way past their expectations. Yeah, even my own fans were like, "Sorry, dude, Zendaya's gonna win. She's gonna crush you." <laughs> did you guys talk about it afterwards at all? Yeah, we did. We did briefly. You know, it was it was such a crazy whirlwind that day, like the whole day itself. Um, but it was yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. So, what is your what is your what does your life look like now? Because it, it, this is the one of the highest profile things that you can do right now is be a superhero in a movie, specifically a Spider Man in a movie. And so, how has that altered sort of the course of your life since it's all happened? Or are you feeling the effects of it yet? It's been pretty crazy. I've been so sort of focused on work and focused on promoting the movie that I haven't really had a chance to look at my life from like an outside point of view you know um I think when things die down and the movie has come out is when I'll really notice a change but right now I'm just sort of hopping from place to place and meeting people which is actually really fun I thought I was going to really really um have a hard time with it but I'm I'm really enjoying myself and uh it's just crazy that I'm in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> you know, when I shot Civil War, it was such a whirlwind and such a quick process that it really didn't feel like I'd shot a movie. Right. You know, I only really wore the Spider-Man suit once or twice. I was always in a mocap suit and I was acting with tennis balls and stuff, which was all really new to me. So it didn't really feel like I'd done anything. And when that movie came out, it was the first indicator as to, wow, this is really, <laughs> this is this is the real deal. And then shooting Spider-Man was a very collaborative process in a sense that I got to work with John very closely and the writers and the stunt guys and the costumers in every aspect of the movie. So it really feels like I have made this movie, um, obviously with our team, and the fact that it's coming out is just insane to me it is because i imagine you just work in a bubble yeah you just live in this little bubble and it just so happens that that bubble is a spider-man movie and now i've sort of stepped back out of the bubble i'm like oh fuck (laughs) shit the movie's coming out have you seen the whole thing have you seen the movie yet Mm -hmm. to finish i've seen i think the final edit i think there might have been some tweaks since i've seen it i i emailed john with like can you take this out or can i redo this and can i do some adr on this and he was super accommodating and 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 helped me with everything but it is amazing the movie is amazing and the thing i love about the movie so much is if you took out every spider-man aspect it would still be a great movie right there's still a strong enough high school movie in there that would be a sort of breakfast club-esque movie sure but it just so happens to have this crazy epic superhero battle and fights and stuff which just tips it over the edge can you watch your own are you good at watching your own stuff without being too hyper analytical i actually like watching my own stuff i feel like you're your toughest critic so you learn most from from yourself in that sense Mm -hmm. you know you i know what i like and i what i don't like 
um, and actors I look up to and there are actors that I don't look up to and I like to try and copy the actors that I look up to and sure. by watching myself I can kind of try and see them in what I've done yeah um, so yeah I can kind of watch myself but sometimes I find it a little tricky well it's hard because you probably everyone's got their own baggage yeah. Like, oh, I look weird at that angle. And, but uh, yeah, stuff that obviously. no one else would notice. Exactly, yeah. There's one scene in the film where I guess I just forgot to do an American accent. Like, the whole scene. I was like, oh, I guess I just was tired that day or something. I'm like, hello, Mr. Delmar. I'm like, what the fuck? Oi, vulture. Yeah. Whoa, hey, what are hello, you... Hello, governor. What are you... That's not... Yeah. Uh, weird. But they're like, ah, just leave it. It'll be fine. But yeah, it was worrying because I, I, I emailed everyone. I was like, oh, I just watched the movie. I love it. It looks great. It looks great. The scene with Mr. Delmark, we need to ADR that because my accent's like off. And they were like, really? We didn't notice. I was like, no, seriously, it's off. And then we watched it back and all of them were like, how did we miss this? <laughs> that's like terrible. You know, it's there is a trend... Of the of the Brits coming over and taking superhero roles away yeah. from hardworking Americans. I think it's because you think we're all so well trained, right? I think it's because, but I am not well trained. I I didn't ever go to my drama school. My attendance was like two percent. <laughs> so if you think I'm well trained, I'm fooling you all. It's the accent. It doesn't matter. The accent to us. Yeah. It's just we are immediately submissive to it. It's, I think when we broke away uh, a couple of hundred years ago, that. There was a like a weird curse or something mm. that was just ingrained in our DNA. Maybe it was science, yeah. And uh, and so when we hear, we immediately go, "Yeah, that guy's way better." It's, it's like better. hypnotic, maybe. It is a little hypnotic. Yeah. What does our accent sound like to your ears? Work <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my job. No, I think for us, it's e- I think it's easier for us to do an American accent because we have American music everywhere, American movies, American television. Whereas you don't have as much English music or English TV or English movies here in America. You wouldn't watch it as much as we watch American stuff. So from a kid, from kids, we've been listening to the accent over and over and over again. So it's one of those things that everyone in England can kind of do an American accent. Well, it's a little bit sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's a little, a little bit like this. I am from yeah. I am from Nebraska. I'm from Newfoundland. I am from Newfoundland. Yeah. yeah. But when I when I was growing up, I was obsessed with British culture in in, in a pre-internet era. Yeah. And so you know. I grew up watching Monty Python and just like all these great British comedies and stuff because we didn't have, you know, our comedies were a little bit different and we just didn't have access to, you don't even know a world without an internet, I would imagine. I mean, it's, you're, you're about this, oh, you, your birthday's in a couple days, right? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. 21. Happy birthday! Yeah! What are you going to do for your first, oh no, it's 16. It's 18. It's 18. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone at home was like, oh, I get to celebrate my 21st birthday and everyone back home was like, that's just another birthday, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's really, so big about 21? Doesn't really but, mean anything. Yeah, but uh, no, it's going to be fun. That's here. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, are you going to have a party? What are you going to do? I'm going to go to bed. I'm so tired. I'm, I'm going to have a beer and go to bed. Oh, my God. I can't admit. When the movie premieres, have you done the global tour yet or is no, that coming it's up? all to come. Oh, We've man. done Brazil and Mexico and now the world tour begins. It's exciting. It's going to be so cool, man. It's it going to be gonna so be cool. cool. It's going to be cool because you're just immediately dropped into this like yeah. prefab s- structure that people already want to love you and they already are excited about it. And I think they're yeah, going to be happy. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's nice to to promote something that you're proud of. Right. You know, this is a movie that I I work my socks off, man. You know, this I've never worked harder on anything and it's a movie that I'm really proud of. I know Marvel and Sony are really proud of it and I just 
I want people to feel that, you know, feel that sort of that sense of achievement from us. And I want to hear what people think. Yeah. Because I'm a fan, you know, I'm a fan of the movie and I love being part of that sort of, you know, the commentary that the fans give throughout the, the process of releasing a movie. I love being part of that. It's just I know all the secrets, so I can't be part of it because eventually I'll just give everything away. Of course. Um, but everyone like will know the trailers. soon. Everyone <laughs> but, uh, will know soon. Everyone yeah. will know soon. And it'll all be out there. Yeah, it'll all be out there. I was, I, uh, your dad's a stand-up. He is, yes. And so did you uh, – we got to talk about that. We have to talk about that. Did you grow up in clubs? Did you grow up in comedy clubs? Or what, did he keep it kind of separate? Yeah, I've only actually seen my dad perform once. And I think that's because he just doesn't – he doesn't really like us coming to watch him. But he took me to one gig and I loved it. But there was just too many jokes like about me. And, um, <laughs> but like I was like, dick. Like that's – what are you – but uh, but no, he's so he's hilarious. The best thing about my dad is bringing friends home for the first time. Sure, especially if people don't know that he's a comedian, because he can kind of turn it on and turn it off. Right. And if he turns it on, he's just hilarious. It's so fun, and uh, it's just funny watching people try and figure it out. Like, is he a comedian? That's my favorite question about my dad. It's the best. Well, because it's just not a thing. You know, I, all my friends like all my friends are comics, but I don't. But the idea that. You're the child of a comic. Like, you're the first, yeah. you're a generation under that. Yeah. So how does that affect you? And But it sounds like it didn't really, it sounds like you kind of didn't really notice when you were growing up. Just accept, like, oh, that's what he does. Yeah, no, I, I, it's one of those things that, like, if you met Brad Pitt's kids, you'd be like, what's it like being Brad Pitt's kid? And it's like. Weird. It's the same. But, you know, no, like, they're like, I don't really think that, they, they probably wouldn't think that their dad's job is weird. It would just seem normal right. to them. But I remember when I did Billy Elliot, um my dad would run through lines with me and just work on timing because com- t- comedy is all about timing. Right. Most jokes are found in silence and they are in the actual line, I find. Um, so for me, it was all about finding a joke in the silence and my dad is, was the perfect teacher for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I've been very lucky that I've had him on my side. But it's funny, we do these like Comic-Con events. We did one in Brazil and one in Mexico and let's say there's 2,000 people in the room. You walk on stage and everything you say, everyone laughs at, right? <laughs> so I walk off stage like, I am fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, I should be a stand-up comic. And I, th- I sat down on a plane and was like, maybe I'll try stand-up. Maybe I will. You know, like Donald Glover does it. Lots of actors do it. Maybe right. I will. Maybe I'll do stand-up. And then thought about, like, standing on stage in front of a r- room of strangers who aren't there to laugh at everything I say. And it terrified me. I think yeah. that must be the hardest job in entertainment is a stand-up comic. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend who's a, was on a. I don't want to out him about it, but he you know he was on a big TV show. He I was doing a show. He came and did a set. He killed because everyone loved him. And then so uh, so he got a little he got bold. Yeah, and he was in Vegas doing something. He was like, I'm gonna go do stand-up because I'm great at it. And it was just a room full of strangers. And then afterwards, he texted me. He was like, Oh. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. get it now. It's get, not fun. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with performing for your crowd, but, you know. Yeah, you got to know your audience, man. <laughs> you got to know your audience. Or at least know how, if the audience for some reason just is not there to catch whatever you're dropping, to how to, to get around it. Yeah, to flip it and adjust it to, to, to the audience. But, yeah, I'm good with I, – I was good with being Spider-Man on stage. That's easy. <laughs> That's super easy. But well, You know, British audiences are very interactive. Yes, they are, yeah. Yeah, it's. I haven't. Last time I was on stage in, in London would have been for Billy Elliot. Oh no, maybe it was something at the Brit School. I did Shakespeare at school, and that was a disaster. How like, come? I was just working, so I didn't really have much time to 
focus on the schoolwork. Oh, gotcha. And Shakespeare takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice. Very skilled actors do it at such a high level. And I am of no such level. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so it was a very stressful time for me. I was playing Sebastian in The Tempest. Was that his name? It was Sebastian in The Tempest. And, uh, yeah, I just, I was doing the show and all I could hear was my mum giggling all the way through (laughs) just knowing that I was bullshitting as much as I can because I love to improvise my whole thing is improvising I never say lines as they're written on a script I always change them and just try and make them my own but you can't do that to Shakespeare a little tough for Shakespeare you can't like rewrite Shakespeare because then you look like a tit. I need a location. Venice. Yeah. <laughs> I need an occupation. Merchant. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go. So, um, so yeah. So I found I found Shakespeare quite tough. Have you done a lot of improv, like team improv stuff? No, not so much. I I did a little bit of improv at school, uh, which I enjoyed. I did enjoy. Um, I found it difficult improvising with no script. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about the, the way I look at a script is I look at it as like a blueprint sure. of what the director wants. And I will give him that, but I will try and find my own version of it. Sure. You know? um, but uh, we, Harrison and I, we go and see this show in London. What's it called? Showstoppers, which is an entirely improvised musical. And basically someone walks on stage and you suggest, the audience suggests five musicals mm-hmm. and then suggest a title and a location and then these five or six actors come on stage and improvise the whole thing and it is incredible oh yeah it's it's obviously improvised like it, it's you can tell it's not scripted there's no way it's scripted and it is hilarious it's absolutely hilarious would you want to do that i would like to try it but i think there's so much skill behind it that you don't see sure that it would just be like i try freestyle all the time in the car i'm so bad <laughs> at freestyle i'm like road sign yeah, I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, I'm rapping. <laughs> I'm not good at it. You guys, if you're ever if you're ever in town, if you're ever in LA for an extended period of time, you guys should go to UCB and do the Upright Citizens Brigade because they do. They'll have people come in and do uh, a show called ASCAT, and you come out as the monologist and take a suggestion from the audience, and you sort of host the show and you tell a story, just whatever comes to your mind, and then the improvisers come out. Wow, that's cool. And they sort of express it, you know, through... So it's like, it's a light... For you, it would be like, it would be probably just enough heavy lifting, but you wouldn't feel like, oh, there's so much pressure. You wouldn't feel like the whole thing, yeah. But these guys sing in... They improvise music. Is there like a band? There's a band and someone will come on stage and like sing four lines and then he must make some signal to the rest of the cast like that's the chorus. And then they all have to remember what he sang and then they – it's amazing. It's amazing. But the cool thing is is they kind of mess up all the time Mm -hmm. to make it – and that's what makes it look so realistic. Right. Or that it is realistic. But it's a very, very amazing, amazing show. I mean there's no way you're not going to get to do – I mean – I would imagine you could do pretty much whatever you want when you're not being Spider-Man, but you. But I would imagine like you could do comedies, you could do like you could do pretty much anything you want. Do you have a a, a preference? I really like comedy. You know, I really like comedy. I think it's a it's a an art form that is really underrated. You know, like a horror movie. Uh, uh, most horror movies are kind of crap. Yes. You know, and it's the same with comedies. You know, only the real, real funny comedies for me stand out. And I love dramas. I love making dramas. I really di- like love diving into a character and, and working. But for me, there's something about making a really good comedy which is just 
so rewarding. Not yeah. that I have done that yet. I haven't made one. Um, but I guess Spider-Man is a comedy. It's, sure. it's a funny movie. Um, but uh, but I'd love to make a, a comedy like My Cousin Vinny. I think uh, Tropic Thunder is hilarious. Oh, my God. Tropic Thunder is amazing. That movie. My favorite thing is we were on set one time with Robert and I. We were doing a scene. And John came up to give us a note. And as you start to work with the director, you start to predict the notes. You start to figure out what he's going to say after a take. And he came over and started giving Robert and I a note. And I already knew the note. And I was like, don't worry, man. We train actors, motherfucker. <laughs> and Robert, like, died. <laughs> it's such a great movie. Like, mm. that movie. What, what other comedies do you like? My Cousin Vinny, Dodgeball, Tropic Thunder, um, Step Brothers. What's that one about the race cars? Talladega Nights. I love that movie. There's loads, man. I love, love, yeah. I mean, I feel like it'd be pretty easy for you to drop into something like that if you if you wanted to. Oh, I'd and love to. And now that you're making that, now the more you make that known, the more people are like, I wish you could tell my own. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. But I, I'd love to have like a, a balance between comedy and drama and action. And I love all forms of entertainment. Yeah. So. But you also seem pretty comfortable being yourself, too. Oh, absolutely. But not, because not every actor is. And I feel like that's why a lot of people become actors is because they don't want to necessarily be themselves. Yeah, I just, I don't really know. I just, I love, I like, I love myself, you know, in a, in a good way, you know, not in a way like, oh, I'm so fucking handsome. Right, right, like, right, right. I just, right. I just really enjoy my life. I'm just so happy in my own skin, and 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 I think I'm very lucky to be that way, you know. Um, but uh, but no, I'm loving life. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. it's nice to know that because I think as fa- fans like to know that the that the people that they watch appreciate the thing as much as they do. Yeah. Especially in our world where we know so much more about everything and everyone than, than ever before in history. We're so involved. I think for me, Instagram is the most important thing to like keep control over because it's quite easy for Instagram to be a very fake version of your life. Of course. And sometimes it's difficult to like, if you go and have professional pictures taken by a photographer, it's quite difficult to not post the posy pictures of you looking good but i'd like to try and keep my instagram lively and let people know that i'm a bit of an idiot and a goofball and stuff just because i don't want to have an instagram that's just like ooh, look at me right so that's what something sometimes i am guilty of like (laughs) damn i look good today (laughs) but uh but yeah in them fishnets yeah exactly i didn't post anything in the fishnets i mean i felt like i didn't need to the world saw what it's out there yeah it would be redundant they are they already know it's already there it's there if they want to find it and Mm -hmm. it's there yeah but uh, uh, what do you are you on Snapchat? Are you on any of the other platforms? I am on Snapchat, but I I can't stand Snapchat. It's the most annoying thing ever because I, I the generic Snapchats is what drives me nuts. You know, like I'm eating cereal. Like I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> stop sending me that. They're still doing that there because that's when Twitter first started. That was the joke when Twitter started in like 2007. Very quickly, people were like, "Man, I don't care what you have for breakfast." Yeah, it's care, just so annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I. I Sometimes I Snapchat occasionally, um, but uh, I don't like people knowing that I've seen right. the Snapchat. Because sometimes I'll be working and I'll read a text and I'm like, right, I'm going to reply to that later and put it down. Right. Um, but uh, but no, I, I have Instagram. I do have Snapchat, but it's private. I don't use it for any sort sure, of social sure, sure. stuff. I have Twitter, which I'm useless at. I am absolutely useless at Twitter. I never tweet anything. Um and when I do, I probably spell it wrong. You know, <laughs> all my fans are like, "Do you know how to read?" Um, but uh, but yeah, no, Instagram is my only real one. I mean, because what's interesting to me is that you are you are of an age where 
you know, since your formidable years, there has been social media. And so it's very much a part of the yeah. fabric of how people in your age range communicate. Yeah. And I'm so interested to know, like, what is that? How, do, how does someone – like, what does that mean for their life if that's just so much a part of their life and how they communicate? And what does it mean dealing with people in real life, you know, if you're yeah. so used to looking Being at a tiny screen? You know, I think that is a testament to my parents and how they brought me up, you know. Like, I meet a lot of kids now who are obviously very shy. And I get that, you know, because they're meeting – like, meeting Spider-Man. But when I was a kid, my parents would force me to speak to adults. Like, it, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But they were like, come and have a conversation, look them in the eye, shake their hand. Like, it was all about trying to connect with people. And and I think I've always been very good at that. And tried. I try and stay away from my phone, even though it's impossible to do that. Sure. Um, but I think my parents did a great job with helping me connect with people, especially older people, because I've spent my whole career working with adults. Right. So from a very young age, when I finished Billy Elliot... All of my friends were like 30 years old. And I was like 12. <laughs> like, Do you want to go for a pint? I'm like, I'm six years too young, bro. But, uh, but yeah, so I owe a lot to my parents. I'm that, six so. years too young, but all right. Yeah, let's go. England is like, yeah, do whatever you want. Do whatever. Yeah. Well, the, the attitudes on drinking in England are so interesting as compared to here. Yeah. Where I feel like it's it's... It feels like it's much more gluttonous here. It feels like it's more just a part of the culture there. And the first time I yeah. ever went there, I was like, oh, the pubs close at like 11. I don't know if it's still the same. It's a long time ago. But, uh, oh, they just close at 11 and, you know, that's just part of the culture and then it's not it's not that crazy. You know, there are good sides to it and there are bad sides to it. The social side is great. I mean, the cool thing about London is you could finish work at five, go for a pint and then go home. Right. The things I don't love about English drinking is like the lad's sesh, as it would be called, like – you couldn't go and just have one pint because the lads are like, oh, come on, mate, don't be a wuss. Right. That's something that I always – I'm not a fan of. But um, but no, it's a lovely thing. I mean, one of my favorite things is going to the pub with my dad and having a pint. I mean, oh, that's there's nice. nothing better than that. Like a fire burning, there's a dog asleep in, in a low-ceiling building. He's like, real, the dog's hammered. Yeah, the dog the is dog just – The dog is so drunk. It's bad. That's a bad thing in England. Pubs need to stop doing that. They need to stop getting dogs drunk. Yeah, there's always that one drunk guy who's just always – Pouring booze in the dog's bowl, <laughs> Actually, and you're like, "Don't do that!" You're probably right. No, he's fine. Yeah, the dog's ah. fine. Yeah, that is a uh, that is that is kind of nice to have like a, a neighborhood. I mean, I I don't drink anymore, but when I did, that is one of the times where I kind of miss a little. Bit. It's like, oh, but it's it's so romantic in England. It's just so yeah. much. Like that pub's been there longer than our country has yeah, existed. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh. Old Good. pubs are the best. Yeah. Old pubs are the best. Like ones where you bang your head walking through the door because the store's so low, you know, <laughs> mind the step. All those ones, they're the best. Do you like, Would you, at some point, do you think you would live, do you live in America or do you live in England? I live in London. You do I live, live in, in London. London. Yeah, I'm a London boy. Like, I like the city. I, London is such a brilliant city. Like, the transport system, the people, the way of life there, I love it. If I was to live in America, I'd probably live in New York. Sure. I love New York. I think it's brilliant. Um... But uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'll live here at some point. Yeah. I love the sunshine here in LA. It's pretty oh, nice. It's so nice. But you have to drive. Do you drive? I love driving. Oh, good. I love driving. Absolutely love driving. Part of the reason why I love LA so much. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, it's great. I mean, dri- I've driven in London before, and I don't it's recommend terrifying. it. It's not a good. Dude, it's, it's not good. so scary. I um hadn't passed my driver's test yet, and my parents go to this thing every year called the Daisy Ball, which is a charity event for um a charity called Anthony Nolan. 
And obviously, one year mum will drive, the next year dad will drive. So one can drink while they're there, the other one can drink while they're there. Oh, then they rotate every year. Rotate every year, you know? That's marriage. Responsible, like, one's a designated driver. So I was going for the first time to the Daisy Ball because I had just turned 18, but I hadn't passed my driver's test. And you have to have an adult with you present while you're driving before you pass your test. Okay. I was like, guys, why don't I just drive? And both of you can drink. And they've never been to the ball with each other when they can both have a drink. So like, okay, sure, great idea. We get into central London at like five o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't passed my test yet. Like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. But it was fine. I, I managed to make it safe. It and do they get do they get just completely drunk and yell at you as they were drinking? No, dad was fine. Dad actually, dad was like, he was looking after me. He was okay, yeah. yeah your dad's really, so I watched some videos of your dad just to see, you know, because when I saw that he was stand-up, like, oh, I got to watch his stuff. And he's really funny. He's super funny. And, and I watched him on a show start to get shit by the presenter he was like, oh, my son has been cast as spider Oh, how does it feel to have your son eclipse your career? And he, and he got really sweet and sincere and said, oh, nice. it's like the greatest thing in the world Good. because I love, you know, I want him to be happy. And, I, and it was just such a nice Aww. moment that he could have shrugged off or been defensive about or been like, you know, like turned yeah. into a joke. And he was so clearly proud of you in such nice. a real sincere moment. It was really, really sweet. I wish he was the same on the golf course when I'm beating him. <laughs> You cocky little your, shit. No, you want your son to be happy, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember that thing you said? Now I'm supposed to be happy. Yeah, no, he's he's amazing, and he's definitely very proud. And uh, it's it's a wonderful privilege to have a proud dad, you know? It's a really great thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. You guys play golf a lot? We do, yeah, and it gets very, very heated. <laughs> it's not... It starts off really fun for the first six holes. Sure. Then gets a little bit serious for the last nine holes, and then we don't speak at all for the rest of the, the, rest of the game. I understand. It's like serious... We we play with we like get in each other's heads. It's a it's a proper mind game. Who who who? Where's the what's the win ratio? Dad's more consistent than I am. He's good at like course management, so he can be like, I'm not going to hit a driver here. I'm going to hit an iron and just lay up. Whereas I'm all about trying to play like Rory McIlroy and hit every green. Of course. And I'm spraying the ball all over the place. So he's more <laughs> consistent than I am. Um, so he probably does win more than I do. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny, we, we're part of a, a society called the Stage Golf Society, which is the oldest golf society, no, the second oldest golf society in England, and Laurence Olivier used to be the captain, oh, so you can only be a member if you are a performer or, or in the arts of some okay. sort, and uh, my dad is the youngest person in the thing, and then me, so there's quite a gap <laughs> between all the people I play golf with, and uh, I was playing- about 50? Dad's just turned 50, yeah, oh, wow. only about two weeks ago. And um, I'm playing golf with this guy, lovely guy, Ronnie, who's, a, who's a, an ex-boxer and then became a uh, TV pundit. And uh, he's like, so, Tom, what sort of movies have you been making recently? I was like, oh, I've actually just done this film called Civil War. He's like, oh, I love the Civil War era. <laughs> I was like, no, it's a slightly different Civil War. It's, more, it's a superhero Civil War. And he was like, oh, and all that nonsense, like not at all. You know, Captain it. America, right, Americans. Yeah, no, Amer- yeah not the same. Not the same guy at yeah. all. I mean, this, this universe that you're in now is so carefully crafted. Kevin Feige's just done such an amazing job. He's, He's just genius. Such a, such a wonderful, amazing job. But even just that glimpse of you... Because, you know, I'm, I would imagine, I would assume that you probably felt pressure being, an, a, like, the next Spider-Man. You probably feel like, oh, shit, yeah. you know. 
But it was so well done, and the glimpses of you in Civil War were so charming and wonderful that I, you know, I didn't hear one person say a negative thing. Like, oh, I'm so glad he's going to be Spider-Man. Do you know, I couldn't believe it. I genuinely couldn't believe it. I know, I knew when we were shooting the movie that we were doing something special and something new, and I knew that people would like it. I just didn't know that they would love it. Um, but I didn't feel that pressure because I had Kevin and the Russos and Downey and Evans there, like carrying me through the process you know like i literally sort of i felt like i got in their raft and they just paddled me down the river you know um it was the perfect confidence boost for me to go into spider-man knowing what i had to do just do it 90 days in a row rather than five days in a row right you know um and it was I, I was just so lucky to have that that groundwork that Kevin had made in Civil War and the Russo brothers had made to take that into my own movie. Yeah, were you a were you a comic book fan before? I was I was always a comic fan. Like I loved I loved all the superheroes. I loved the TV shows, the movies. Like I I've seen every Marvel movie countless times, but I had never really got into the actual comics sure. until I got cast, and then was mad at myself that I hadn't been reading them my whole life. Um, the Ultimate Spider-Mans were the one that I drew on the most because I felt like they were the most current and the ones that, you know, related to me the most and and was definitely the version of Peter Parker that I wanted to bring to sure. the screen. Sure, uh, And do you have a break now or do you have to immediately go back and work on something else? I, so, um, how do I put this? I have to go back to Avengers... No, we do Spider-Man Press. Then we go to Avengers. Gotcha. Then we go to Tokyo. Okay. For Spider-Man Press. Okay. Then we go to Montreal for Chaos Walking. Wow. Prep. Then we go when then where do we go? Somewhere else for more press. Then we go back to Montreal to shoot Chaos Walking. And then we go back to Atlanta to do Avengers. Oh, nice. And then I think that's me done in Avengers after that one. And then the next year is Spider-Man 2, right? Which I think starts shooting in June. Holy shit. Or something like that. And Sony decided to announce that I'm going to be in Uncharted. Yes, I saw that which too. Is That's crazy. huge. Did you play? Did you play Uncharted? Yeah, I played Uncharted. It's the best. We played it. We, Sony gave us, were kind enough to give us a PlayStation at the beginning of Spider-Man and gave us Uncharted 4, which we, I'm not so much of, I'm not much of a gamer, um, but we played Uncharted in about, a week we literally wouldn't put it down they're like can you come to set we were like uh give us a minute I'm just changing I'm a, I'm a meeting. changing games <laughs> um but uh but yeah no so it was a crazy conversation between tom and i and we i was just saying that sometimes i think video games to movies don't work because people have played the games they don't need to see the movie sure and people who haven't played the games don't get the movie right uncharted is a, it, the privilege is that no one's seen the origin story to that movie so it would be interesting to take the character back and see how he gets to where he is. Yeah. And that was just an idea, like literally a coffee idea. And then I, the next thing I know, all of my friends were texting me like, congratulations, bro. This is amazing. We're so excited for you. I was like, what have I done? Like, <laughs> what's come out? And I was just lucky enough that it was some cool news like that. Well, that is because I think it, it, it can suffer. I think it suffers worse sometimes because when, when someone reads a book, yeah. They have a very specific idea in their head of how the story plays out. They yeah. have the movie in their head when they're reading it. And so it, it can be, you know, uh, it can be a little dissonant when they see the movie version and go, well, that's not what I had in my yeah. head. But a, but a game, you know, especially a game where you can do a million things in yeah. the game, people, they really attach their identity to it and they yeah. find the story. They kind of build the story in their head of how yeah. the game is expressed. So, uh 
you know, that also seems like sort of daunting, but you don't seem too worried about it at all. No, I think it's something that could be really interesting. I think if you give an audience a finish line, a goal of where the character will eventually get to, that's something interesting and something that hasn't really been done before in that genre. Right. Um, There's still a lot of talks to be had and stuff and discussions to to be made, but we'll have to... uh, see what happens i mean i don't really know what's happening with it but well i'll have to sit down with tom and see what the plan is i mean it's amazing because i don't I, I don't even have to sit here and give you older person advice of like enjoy it while it's <laughs> yeah. happening someday you don't know you know your goddamn kids youth is wasted on the young you know like there's no i'm turning into stan yeah what an honor it is to meet me stan you're adorable but uh but the I idea that that <laughs> but the, the idea that you uh that you really do seem to be enjoying this process and you understand oh, yeah. how fun and weird and rare it all is and that you don't seem to be taking it too seriously. That's so that's so important because you will always look yeah. back on this and go, holy shit, I My can't My big thing about actors is you can't take yourself seriously because you have such... It's not a serious job. Right. A heart surgeon, a brain surgeon, a politician. Well, maybe not a politician anymore, <laughs> but those are serious <laughs> jobs, you know? And if you like... If I pretended to be serious... That would be so stupid. Like, I dress up in red and blue tights every day Mm -hmm. and pretend to be a superhero. Like, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. So (laughs) if I took myself seriously, you just kind of lose perspective of what it is that you're doing and stuff. And and that's my pet hate about acting is how people can take it. And we're so revered and so talented. Like, I just just lie for a living. I just pretend to be other people. Um, I think there isn't enough credit that goes to people like surgeons and engineers and architects and people who have like a real skill right. and can do amazing things. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll just stick to my fishnets and stuff like what that. You, you know? <laughs> what do you like when you start? When do you ever get overwhelmed? And when you do, like, where do you what do you do to sort of unwind and reground and just sort of refocus? Um. Do you know what one thing I need to not keep doing is I only watch movies I've seen before now because I have so much, a sort of limited time that I don't want to watch a movie that I haven't seen in case it's bad and I waste my time. So I only watch movies I've already seen that I know I'll enjoy. And that's kind of how I unwind. Just knowing that I've watched something, I'm comfortable watching it, but I need to maybe venture out of that and start watching new movies. Yeah. Well, that's the, I think... I think that I think when and listen, you're 20. You don't have to worry about it. You're almost 21. Two days. It's all downhill from me. It's all downhill. But I but I think uh, uh, you don't really need to worry about this for a very long time. But I feel like that's when people sort of get stuck in their cul-de-sac where it's like no more new stuff. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. No more yeah. new stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm good as it is. I'm right good. Now. Yeah. Do you ever watch Rick and Morty? No, I haven't. God damn it. If you like comedy, I feel like Rick and Morty would really? be way up here. It's animated. I'm write that down. There's two seasons of it. it. You can get it on iTunes. It was it's on Adult Swim. We're waiting for a third season. But it's Dan Harmon who did Community. And, it's called and Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, and Justin Roiland is this guy. Justin Roiland created it with Dan Harmon, and it's. Uh, I I really think Dan created Community, which Donald Glover was on. Yeah, and, and so, the Russos directed. And yes, so uh, so I think you know if. Just hearing what some of your comedy influences are, the episodes are like 21 minutes long. It's a cool. half-hour animated show. Nice. It's, it's fucking, it's phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah, so just uh, something. I'd, Love it. Can you recommend something that you think that Ooh. you're into right now that people might like? Ooh. A film I've seen recently that I would recommend. I always recommend Primal Fear, especially for young aspiring actors. Like, I think if that, Edward Norton in that movie is incredible. Right. 
Even though for the last two days I've been confused and telling everyone it's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I've been like, you should see Edward Sheeran in this movie. He's incredible. That's why he's incredible. You like, don't expect it. What can't he do? Um, but yeah, it's Edward Norton, not Ed Sheeran. Yeah, when Ed Sheeran was the Hulk, I mean, so phew. good. He was a red Hulk. Yeah, he was a red. He, he was, was a red Hulk. Hulk. He was a ginger, ginger Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, he was a ginger Hulk. Um, Someone needs to make Ginger Hulk, by the way. Yeah, Primal Fear is amazing. There's such a brilliant performance. Uh, My Cousin Vinny, if you haven't seen that. Sure. It's a great film. Um, I'm going to watch Shutter Island tonight. Oh, gotcha. Have you seen it before? I have seen it you before. You have seen it before. It's a, I've seen it a lot, but it's a, it's been a while. Now, what do you like about that movie? Because now that we, cause we can talk about it because you've seen it, the end to me always feels a little like, what? Why would they go through all these motions for this fucking guy? Because it's entertainment. <laughs> I think it's because I think it's so cool, man. That movie when the twist happened, I was so mad because I thought they were about to break the case. I thought they were about to figure it out. But I just felt like what you would have to go through just to keep, and it feels like a Groundhog Day situation where it's like, oh, we got to start this fucking play all up over again for this guy. The cool thing is about that movie though is it's better the more and more you watch it because the more and more you watch it, the more and more the story gives itself away. Got it. Like, okay. there's clues throughout the movie that would suggest the twist. All right. And you can slowly start to pick those out as you watch it time and time again. Okay, I'll give it another shot. I it's mean, it a was dope great. Movie. The whole time, and at the end, it was one of those, like, what? Because yeah, there was a period of time in movies where it was the sort of M. Night Shyamalaning of movies. Yeah. Where it's like, no, you're oh, the ghost. Yeah. You know? And, like, the others did it. <laughs> yes. You know, Sixth Sense, and then the others, and then that was the one. And so I feel like that is a. As a as a mechanism, I started to get a little tired of like, oh god, yeah, no, no, no. So, but uh, this is a fresh perspective. We need more movies like that. We need more movies. Wait like Wait for Spider Man Homecoming. Sp- <laughs> it's gonna it's not blow a homecoming your mind. at all. <laughs> Are, do you want to write? Do you, do you is that something you want to do? Do you want to write your own stuff? Uh, I'd like to direct. I'd like to direct. I don't think I have the patience to write. Got I've it. tried to write things. Harrison and I came up with an idea called the Advisor. Is that what we called it? And it was about an agent for crime. Right. Because I have to deal with my agents all the time, and it's it's a process. You know, you you go through making deals, reading scripts, organizing jobs, and I just think that's kind of cool if you had someone like that who just managed criminals. <laughs> so you would go to him and be like, "I need this guy murdered." Watch this when this idea is stolen, by the way. Um, if you, I need this guy murdered, he'd be like, "Joey's your man. Pay him this much money. Do this." I just think there's something really cool about that. And do you have I a like title for it. The advisor. The advisor. Trademarked to Tom Holland. Don't try and fucking steal my idea. <laughs> we know, you know, how movie studios are. There's like, it's always like three movies come out and they're yeah. all kind of around. Watch the Sony's press release tomorrow. Tom Holland stars in The Advisor. I mean, you've said it, so it te- technically, but this is this is partially how copyright law works. So if you say you're doing it, I am then, doing it. Then there is intent, and so you would lay, you would have a claim to it. If you, but if you don't do it. Then someone else can go, well, he's not really using that idea. And then go, okay, well, they're going to use it. So I'm you- planning to make it in the next 20 years, so back <laughs> off. <laughs> I think that's all you have to do. Legally, I think you've just covered yourself. Brilliant. I'm that's glad. All you, that's all you have but to yeah, do. But yeah, so we sat down for about three days. I say three days. An hour on each of those three days. Of course, right. And like we tried to do like a character breakdown and a location breakdown and the backstory. And we came up with these two really cool characters. I can't really remember what their names are. I have it all written down on my iPad, which is now broken because I put it in my hold bag and obviously someone threw my bag around in the airport and it's now broken. Oh, you put it in your carry in your checkup? By accident, I didn't put it in my carry-on bag. So 
all that genius work we did in those three well-spent hours. You may have to get together again for another 30 Writing or 40 session. minutes a day you know, to, uh, to hash that out. If you can find the time. If you can find the time. But, uh, but no, I'd like to do that, but I just got so bored. You know, and I'd be writing something like, this is so bad, start again. Oh, this is so bad, start again. But I'd really like to direct in the future, yeah. You know, all you need to do is just wield some, like, just get someone else to write it. You can come in and consult. It's your idea, then you come in and direct. Yeah, I, I re- emailed my agents. I was like, I'm really, I'm trying to write this script. I was wondering if you could put me in touch with a writer to give me some help or some tips or just some advice into how to write a good treatment. I mean, just like, dude, why are you writing it? Just get someone else to do it. I was like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's that's. A pro- I'm going to use that yeah, for a scene, but I'll be a criminal in the thing. Me. That'll like be in the that. movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's. I think what's great about that is that. If you say you're going to start working, making a movie takes so fucking long anyway. Oh, it's so crazy. That you might as well just say you're doing it now, and then when it comes out in ten years, be like, that's how long it takes. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm busy. I'm then you'll be on an edit every day for about ten minutes. Then you'll be almost thirty-one. You'll be two days away from thirty-one, and the advisor will come out. You know, that would be cool though. I think it's a really cool title. The advisor. you know, that's just one of those things that you can just sort of screw around with while you're sitting around. Yeah. Well, the idea, the idea for the advisor is that John Bernthal would play the advisor. I haven't actually spoken to him. <laughs> I'm sure but he would. John do and it. I are good friends, <laughs> and I would play the kid who. I'm not going to dive into the story, but it's a really cool story. It actually is kind of badass. I feel like the more you dive into it, the less <laughs> someone can take it because you've already laid your claim to it. Huh? I can't. I couldn't possibly. Right, I We'd be here for hours. I tried. No, it's, it's totally fine. It's, no, I know yeah. you have to go. You have a million press things to do. So many. I mean, it's it. It, I, 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 it's exciting that you're going through this, and like I said, I know you're already doing this, but I really hope you enjoy the process of how crazy and weird this whole thing is going to end up I becoming. Am. I am. I really am. It's fun. It's fun. My favorite question I've been asked so far is, is it fun being Spider-Man? I was like, uh, no, I hate it. It's the worst. Great question. Do you like it? Yeah, like, is it fun? No. Like, I, no. I took it because I'm in this really complex form of self-abuse, and yeah, uh, I exactly. thought it would be a great way to fuck with myself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But you also have to be – like, on something like this, you can you can be loose and fuck around and swear and stuff. But you got to be really careful when you're yeah. doing the press junket stuff because – It's a kid's movie. Well, not only that, but they will try to – like, their whole thing is just about getting traffic and clickbait shit. Oh, absolutely. And so you could just say one thing sort of sideways, like, Tom Holland says, you know. You know. And the thing I have learned the hard way is print interviews, sarcasm doesn't come across. And, and there's no there's no font or, or affectation for sarcasm like in print. Like, I, I, I could be like, I hate Jacob, but really, I love Jacob. Sure. In print, everyone's like, oh, so they obviously didn't get along. Right. And uh, we were doing an interview, Jacob and I, with some blog... In Atlanta, and it was print, and you have to immediately change the way you speak when you're speaking with print interviews. And Jacob was saying all the wrong things, (laughs) and we were like, "Jacob, that's not going to read how you're saying that, dude." And I'm like, "Yeah, he doesn't really mean that." Um, Like I was looking at the Marvel publicist, like, "Cut the interview, stop it." Did you just say like? I think you'd have to say at the end of sentences, you know. I think I hate Jacob. Winky face. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like you'll have to put emoji. The, emoji. The winky emoji in there. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. So print interviews are the hardest ones. And but you but even the junkets like the video interviews, it's just like they'll just clip something out of context. Oh, oh yeah. But I didn't. I, I didn't mean that. I was, I've been up for like four days straight. But that's why they don't do cross coverage on you. I don't think because then you can't cut. From two shots. Right. I was thinking about this the other day. Because if you did cross coverage, you could splice sentences together. Mm-hmm. But because there's only one camera, if you cut, you would, like, jerk. Right. 
which uh, I was thinking about that the other day. Well, hopefully we don't get to a point where they just start inventing things that you said. They just completely CGI you, you know? <laughs> Marvel oh. could make Spider-Man 2 without me. It's coming. Like, that whole thing is coming. They it's have just... so many scans. I have stood in a thong in front of laser beams <laughs> so many fucking times. Not even for work, just because... The first day on Civil War, I did no shooting. I basically stood on this spinny table in a thong. Like, I thought Spider-Man was going to be like... Heroic and stuff. Like, this is the worst. <laughs> we can program that in. Yeah, so they, they must... Sony have thousands of pictures of me standing in a thong on a turntable, which I'm sure one day will, will, will come out. That'll be in something, or you'll be in a video game and go, when did I do that? Like, yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, they already got Oh, your, I remember. Yeah, yeah got 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is delightful to talk to you. Do you have any final parting thoughts or words or anything you want to leave everyone with before we release you into the streets of Los Angeles? I think I have to congratulate you guys on the Spider-Man Bruno Mars thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that that was Andrew Bowser. That was our... Uh, oh, that's right. That was the best piece of promo for the whole movie. Like, I was obsessed with that. Like, I know the words to that more than the Bruno Mars song. That is that fantastic. That is so good. I thought that was so brilliant. Well, the, the team was so delighted that you embraced it and tweeted it. Oh, and it was, it was, it was yeah. such it was such an honor. Because you never know. You know, people are like, what is this? Yeah, no, it was just... It was so, like cool and organic and original and like it was great i sent it to the sony marketing team and everyone it went around the office like wildfire it was oh, amazing well thank you i i know the team will be delight i can take zero credit for it because they made it but they it's it's a it's a really nice team of folks of really smart cool nerdy kids and they well kids younger than i am and <laughs> uh and and that Stuff like like you being saying that to them, it just made it just made their year oh, to say like, oh my I'm god, glad. this thing that we made just for fun, you know, was actually embraced. It was so cool. I mean, I used it. I was like, yeah, go check out Spider Man Homecoming. <laughs> it's gonna be really fun, guys. <laughs> Shit, thanks, nerdy. <laughs> well, that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much. Anyway, thank you so much. That was really fun. Yes, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Backblaze, unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs. Check it out for yourself. Visit backblaze.com slash Nerdist so Backblaze knows where you came from and continue to support the show. That's backblaze.com slash Nerdist to receive a fully featured 15-day free trial. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.